wow, let's just go home. <laughs> Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So you've heard a couple of themes this morning already about singing in the rain. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie, even, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, themes in singing in the rain. You've got unique gifts. We've got happiness. We've got love. But today I want to talk to you about change. It's all around us, right? Change is all around us. There's change that we initiate ourselves. We decide to lose weight. We get a nice haircut. We go and exercise. We want to make a change, have a better life. But then there are those that are thrust upon us by others or circumstances. An unexpected move, the loss of a job, a pandemic, becoming caregiver to a family, a death. Stop and think for a minute. How do you deal with change? And especially change that you can't necessarily control. I know how we deal with changes is different depending on the circumstance and the nature of the change, but let's just name a few ways that we've handled these new situations. We've all gone through them. We hold stress in, thinking that no one's going to see me stress out. I can deal with this. Or maybe we hide our head in the sand, ignoring the change and pretending like it's not really happening. We could play the blame game, or my favorite, eat your feelings, or complain about it. That's always productive, right? <clears throat> change is the only constant in life. That's from Greek philosopher Heraclitus. Hard to argue that one. And that's what singing in the rain is about, what I'm talking about today, through the experiences of Don Lockwood, the audience is taken through changing times from silent films to talkies. And that's quite, caused quite a stir from, for Don and his partners, some who handle the change in very different ways. One character sets, gets a new opportunity because of those changes. One character gets angry and seeks revenge. And Don, well, Don and his partner embark on a whole new way of creating movies. Enter the musical. So Singing in the Rain ends up being a musical about a team making a musical in a time when films are changing from silent to talking films. That's a little dizzying, but I'm sure you kept up with me. I think part of the challenge in dealing with change is how long it takes. So when I think of change, I really want that quick change, right? Don't make it painful, make a decision, go. You with me? That kind of thinking usually gets me in trouble. <laughs> Scott's laughing. <laughs> Probably best for me to remember another word for change, transition. Change is that quick, rip off the band-aid kind of thing, making a U-turn and heading the other way, just always gone. But not everything is quick. In fact, when forced change comes about, well, it's probably best to transition into the new, don't you think? Give ourselves time to get used to things, to grow, and to learn how to adapt to those changes. Transition expects these ebbs and flows, up and down. It's a process, something we commit to continue, even through the setbacks. So today, I'd like to share three scriptures with you. 
that can help us work through change and transitions, the mindset and understanding that could be helpful when we deal with change. What does the Bible share with us about change and transition? And to start, I go to my favorite prophet, Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Here now. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. A little context here. The Israelites have been exiled to Babylonia, and they've been there for quite a while. But they're hearing through Isaiah that their time in exile is almost up that God is getting ready to redeem Israel. So this is an anticipated change. In other words, change is a coming, or to hat tip Bob Dylan, the times they are a changing. God, through Isaiah, is calling each person by name. He says that in verse 1, and God makes a promise. Verse 2, he says, When I pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You hear that? God is with you even in all of that transition. Through waters and rivers and even fire, God is there to help you through. And when we hear Isaiah tell us to forget or don't dwell on the past, that's God doing a new thing. It's springing up, and you'll see it and feel it over time everywhere, away in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I get this image of people being led out of the Babylonian desert, each one feeling this different call from God about what their new life could be. See, I'm doing a new thing. Here's the thing, though. We have to listen for God. Feel the Spirit moving to get started in that tr transition to something new. God is at work, that's for sure, always. But as I said, change is hard, especially those longer-term transitions. You know, the people didn't just bewitch themselves out of the desert and into Jerusalem by twitching their chin. Wouldn't that be nice? No ripping off the Band-Aid there. When we feel this new thing that God is doing, when we respond by making a change, We've got to figure out how to hang on through that transition, don't we? Yes, it's something new. God is at work, but we're going to need help to make sure we're on the right path. So where in the Bible might we find that kind of help? Who can help us to understand how we might meet the challenge of change and transitions in a way that stays true to who we are as Christians? You think Paul might have something to say about this? So let's turn to Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Here's what Paul says. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. Paul has been sharing challenges with the church in Philippi 
a church which he was quite fond of, a a community that really embraced Paul's gospel message. This was a letter to friends to encourage them to stay the course, to seek Jesus as a model of servant-minded love for others and to remain in unity with others. See, Paul knew that after establishing this church in Philippi, there would be challenge. And as strong as the community was, they needed help, help and encouragement to keep going. Earlier in chapter 4, if you read, we learned that there was this conflict thrown into the church. Two women, Euodia and Syntyche, are having some kind of an argument, and Paul is concerned that that might have an effect on the rest of the community, drag them away from this new thing that God is doing through these Philippians. Seems a bit inevitable, doesn't it, with long-term change, a transition that's been taking a while. There's going to be conflict and challenge and doubt and all kinds of questions when change is underway. You know, we've been going through that some at, here at Arapahoe. When the pandemic started, we had to shift, a quick shift, a very quick shift, to find a way to share the worship service with you, to share classes and small groups and other ministries. What started out as a quick change started growing, and indeed, God was doing something new here. Within a few months, we were transitioning to online ministries and growing and trying new things. But when it was time to gather again in person, we had to ask ourselves, what do we do now? We've got these engaged people in person and engaged people online. How do we find a way to continue to grow what God has challenged us with this community. Paul shares how to do that, how we can look to solve these apparent conflicts that really aren't conflicts at all. But he shares with us two thoughts, focus and practice. Paul says first to focus. Well, on what, Paul? What do you want me to focus on? On what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, on the excellence and on things worthy of praise. What are who are, are those things? What are those things that are all those things? I say it's God. God is true and right and just and excellent and worthy of praise. So what does he mean to focus on those things? He says, think about these things. I have to use the word focus because if I think, I wander. If I focus, I focus. What does he mean when he writes that? It means that in our stress and conflict and distractions that are likely to pull us away from transforming the world, transforming the church, transforming ourselves from making changes that really matter to ourselves and others, staying close to God helps us get through it. That is the focus that Paul is referring to. It can be as easy as stopping and taking a breath. Try that now deep one, filling our lungs with the air that was there at the start of creation, breathing in the Spirit and thinking on such things as the Spirit calls and encourages. Deep breathing clears our mind and helps us to focus on what's important. Stopping to breathe can bring on quiet and silence the negativity. Stopping to breathe brings in the spirit, fills us up with, hmm, dare I say it, hope. 
that breath brings hope that can change. This hope says change is making a difference. Hope that God is there in the change and transition. It reminds us that God is as close as a deep breath. But friends, Paul didn't stop there. He had a second instruction about dealing with change. Practice what we've learned. Now, you can be fooled here when what he said, with what he says. He speaks it like this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it in practice. Anybody else think that sounds a little vain? <laughs> look at me, look at me. But in the context of the rest of the letter, it does make sense. Because back in chapter 2, Paul tells us what he's learned, what he's encouraging others to practice. That is, in our relationships with each other, as we're going through life changes, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. The same humility, the same desire to stay focused on God's call for all of us. So in chapter 4, when Paul encourages the church in Philippi to practice what they've learned from him, he's actually saying, remember to be like Christ. Have the mindset of Christ. Practice the lessons we learned through Jesus' life and Jesus' death. Stay focused on Jesus. Practice what Jesus taught and lived. And you know what happens? We combine that breath with the knowledge and hope of Christ, and we begin to embody Christ. We're not just some character on a screen. We're the embodied Christ in this world. We don't just put on costumes and play a different part. We embody Christ through dance, through music. We give these gifts to others. We accept that God is working through us and bringing on new things. And then we're able to get through the change and transform our lives and transform the world. We can work through those difficult changes, those ebbs and flows that I talked about. The process of change is something we commit to even though we know we're going to have setbacks. It's what Wesleyan theology talks about and knows as sanctifying grace. The grace that keeps coming over and over and over through all of the changes and transitions and transformations and mistakes. We go through changes. That sanctifying grace gives us the power to continue on, to transform our lives and move forward being a loving neighbor, again, embodying Jesus as our example. And you know why we can rely on that sanctifying grace? You know why we know that it will help us through the transitions? I think the author of the letter of Hebrews has something to say about this. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. I'll phrase it a different way. God is constant. Yesterday today, and tomorrow. In the midst of our change and our transitions, God is constant. God's love for us is constant. God's grace that showers us is constant. And oh, how we can believe that. Some of you have heard from me share 
a favorite quote from a book that's called Lead Like Jesus. It's by Ken, Ken Blanchard. And that's where, when, when I read this, I first really understood the difference about believing in and believing God. Here's what he says. I don't just want to believe in God. I want to believe God. I don't just want to believe in God. I also want to believe God. Believing God is what is with us. It is what we need to do to help us ground ourselves and get through that change. I believe that God is with us, that God has kept and will continue to keep promises. I believe that this world is temporary and that we will all be together again after our death. I believe that God has given us grace and promised forgiveness. And I believe that God loves every one of us and can work through each of us to bring about transforming change in the world. Sure, I believe in God, but I also believe God when God says that he's there with me through the change. Change isn't something to be anxious about. It isn't something to be feared. I know this, and you know this. Changes mean that God is working through us making new things, always. May it ever be so. Amen.